Informing the patient early prior to the procedure gives them greater peace of mind. Hello and welcome to HIMSCast. I'm Susan Morse, Executive Editor of Healthcare Finance News. We are talking today with Randy Schaefer, who is Executive Vice President and Global Head of the Hospital Business at First Source. Hi, Randy. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Susan. Nice to uh, connect with you today. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to be talking about the No Surprises Act um, today. But first, I want to ask about First Source, what it does, and and what you do there, please. I'd be glad to. So First Source is a global BPO organization um, headquartered in India, and I lead our U.S. provider business, uh, where we have um, 800 hospital clients spread across the United States, and we provide uh, full revenue cycle services from pre-access all the way through the entire revenue cycle to bad debt collections. So I imagine you're hearing a lot about the No Surprises Act through your provider clients. Um, Are you able to help them through that? Uh, and, and can if you could, for our listeners, please explain the rule, what hospitals are supposed to do now? Yeah, good, uh, good question. So the No Surprise Bill Act is intended to do a couple of real important things. Uh, number one, for emergency care, when a person has an emergency and they need to go to the hospital, oftentimes that happens so quick they don't get to choose between in-network and out-of-network. So it provides some care protection so that uh, a provider treats emergent care even if that patient is out-of-network. Previously, they could do a balance bill, which is the difference between charges and what the hospital would get paid, and would bill that to directly to the patient. The second component has to do with giving the patient an estimate of what their responsibility looks like. So for example, we're all, not only are we in the business to help providers, we're also patients as well, right? Right. And so we're familiar with co-pays and deductibles and we've got a pretty good handle on what that means when we go to the doctor or to the hospital. But what we don't have good visibility into are the contractual adjustments that take place. So providers and payers um, negotiate contracts and within that contract negotiation and finalized contract that they have determines what the payment for specific services are. That affects the ultimate patient responsibility. So with the No Surprise Bill Act, the providers in 2022 are required to give an estimate of what the patient's responsibility will look like prior to engaging in those clinical services. Yeah, and you had talked about balanced billing. It's my understanding that some states had already banned balanced billing practices. Does the No Surprises Act also ban balance building nationwide? Is that part of it? It's, it's real interesting because the bill does speak to that, but I think it's going to be a phased approach. 
So certain states have different requirements. And by the, I think, 2023, that's going to uncover, uh, include not just the initial procedure, but extended procedures. And that's where it will take into consideration all balance bill across all states. How is First Source working with providers to make this easier for them? So we actually provide services directly to hospital providers. Uh, we um, today manage significant pieces of providers' revenue cycle. One of the services that we have added <clears throat> in the last couple of years is the whole area around bill estimation in a pre-access mode. So patient um, is getting ready to have a procedure. Um, they go through the scheduling process. Uh, our technology allows for contract information to be loaded so that we can provide an estimated bill to that patient prior to their engagement. Not only an estimate of the bill, but also a breakdown so that they can see what their responsibility uh, will be. They're out of pocket. One thing that we have found, informing the patient early prior to the procedure gives them greater peace of mind, um, allows them to have a better experience. But we went a little bit farther and we provide them with flexibility to self-serve on how to resolve it. Then once they get it resolved, they can focus exclusively on showing up for their procedure, focusing on the care, and getting better uh, post-procedure. Randy, are you talking about uh, putting into place payment, um, a schedule perhaps, so they can be paying it off even before they go into the procedure, or at least they know how much every month they have to set aside? Do you mean uh, payment plans? Is that what that is? Yeah. Depending on hospital-specific guidelines and the particular payer, so if it's a commercial government or a self-pay patient, uh, we give them, we actually implement the provider's payment guidelines and give those options to the patient to choose. Um, one thing that we found, a high percentage of patients prefer to respond after 8 o'clock p.m. and before 11 o'clock p.m. or on the weekends. So it's after work, it's when the kids go to bed, and it gives them that flexibility so they can see what those guidelines are and choose the option that best fits their needs. How is it working out, for first of all, for patients? Are you finding that the estimates come out to be pretty close to what they actually owe? Yeah, we do. Um, providers are getting real accurate, and, and they've been preparing for this for a number of years. And getting very accurate in terms of what the out-of-pocket will look like and minimizing the any reconciliation um, post-service, um, I'd say within less than 5%. Are providers getting paid more on a regular basis, less uncompensated care? Uh, do you have any information on that? I do. Um, a significant piece of our business is focused on the uncompensated care population. So when a patient comes in with no coverage, no commercial or government insurance, uh, we actually help them find ways to qualify or apply for financial assistance. 
Um, throughout COVID, since April 1, 2020, we have been under the public health emergency. The public health emergency states that during that time, anyone who is on Medicaid stays on Medicaid during the entire public health emergency. So we help patients qualify, have access to those funds. And then in addition to um, qualifying for programs like Medicaid, the CARES Act also allowed for hospital providers to bill directly to HRSA for COVID cases. Uh, that lifted uh, March 22nd. So now providers are responsible for um, taking care of billing directly to the payers. So we help providers manage through and navigate that journey so that all patients have equal access to care and we want that experience to be as uh, positive as it can be. And uh, what is there any impact on payers, um, either commercial payers or government? Yeah, so on the commercial side, um, again, all of us um, likely have commercial insurance in place, um, continue to pay premiums, but I didn't consume healthcare during COVID, right? We, uh, we're home, we're not as sick. Uh, so uh, payers benefited uh, from the revenue stream, but then now as more of us are scheduling those elective procedures, there's gonna be an offset to that. So it's a, it's a balance. Um, there might've been a benefit during COVID, it's going to have an offset balance when, once care begins to get delivered. Um, I think sometimes people get confused between the No Surprises Act and the price transparency rule that came out. Can you explain the difference between those two, please? It's a, it's a really good question because healthcare is somewhat lagging behind um, digital adoption, like the airline industry, like banking and hotels. You know, we all operate from our mobile phones. Uh, we can't do that necessarily uh, or as easily with uh, our doctor visits and, and hospital procedures. The idea behind, think about how we manage airline uh, fare, for example. We shop for it, we look for the best fare, the best time, and we cross over different airlines. One thing with price transparency is we're moving toward that consumer-driven model where we'll all be able to make those choices and decisions on where do we get the best care, the best procedure. Take, for example, an MRI. If the hospital that I go to most of the time publishes what it costs for an MRI, I can maybe shop and see if there is a, another MRI that would be less that I wouldn't mind driving to. So I think that consumerism that's coming into healthcare is going to continue to grow over the next three to five years. Yeah, and where do you see the future going on, uh, on both the No Surprises Act and price transparency? I think there's going to be um, a real shift in consumerism in healthcare. Um, and I think it begins with telehealth. Um, more access to care through our mobile devices, um, more ease of payment, and 
we're going to be able to make more choices and have knowledge around where do I get the best quality care for the best price. And I think that's what we're price transparency and no surprise bill act are trying to accomplish is give the consumer the tools necessary to take responsibility, not only for payment, but for their own personal care. Randy, thank you so much for joining HIMSCAST. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you, Susan. I enjoyed uh, connecting with you today, and uh, I hope this was helpful. And I wish uh, wish you all the best. Thanks.